Hello, Bethel's Rock Online. I am so glad that you're joining us today. We're in the middle of a series called Fresh Wind. And I don't know about you, but when you're in the middle of a season, uh, there's a lot of times where you're kind of ready for the next season to come, for a fresh wind to come. You've experienced everything in that season. And, and we're in the, kind of the time of the year right now of a season where we're like, man, we can't wait until the next season to come. We've had all of the fun of this season and we're ready for a change. And I think in, in general, a lot of people are looking for changes. You see change all around you, people looking for something that will bring a fresh wind into their life. So they're moving houses, they're moving marriages, they're moving jobs, they're moving from one community to another community. It's People are searching for something. And I believe that the Bible gives us um, some principles that really serve as a fresh wind in our life, things that will really renew our heart and mind. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And I love this part. Now choose life. Now choose life. It's your choice. You get to choose whether or not you want curses, doldrums, death, or if you want life and blessing and promises and victory. And I really believe it comes down to this attitude um, that we're going to talk about today. Last week, we talked about making the choice to love Christ. But I believe this week, we got to talk about our heart attitude. You know, when I was in Cuba, the pastors there are making $30 a month, and yet they had a great attitude. It was incredible. We would, as we would sit there, we would rejoice and worship together over the victories that were happening in their life, and they really had nothing. And yet here, you look at some of the setbacks we've had in our life, and, and we're getting discouraged, we're defeated. We, we are not acting with the heart attitude that Christ has given to all of us. We are a blessed people. You are blessed and highly favored. And I truly believe that God wants us to uh, rele release that attitude into our heart. So many people are getting angry, however. And, and I believe as a nation, we're in a dark place uh, because even the believers are discouraged. Even they are having a hard time with some of the changes that uh, we're all facing and, and some of the declines we've seen. We can really focus on it and wonder what's up. In fact, many people have said, um, is this the end times? And, and I believe that there are some attitudes that we see in the end times. In fact, you see them in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible, terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, and unforgiving. Have you seen any of that in the world in which you're living in? I think uh, that it is evident that we are in the end times, that we have end time attitudes. And if you notice, it's not talking about natural desires. Rather, it's talking about heart attitude issues. It's talking about the attitudes we may have in our life. And there are four uns that I want to look at first. And these four uns can just slip into our life so subtly that we miss 
the impact they have in our life. You know, the first one was being ungrateful. We get so focused on what we want, we forget what we already have. We failed to enjoy the many blessings we have. We grieve over what we've lost and failed to enjoy what we have. There is always something else that we're told we need or we should want. When, if we got the iPhone 19, we already want the iPhone 20 when it comes out because the 19 is now junk when something comes out. When new things come out, the old version isn't good enough anymore. I remember when, when I was a kid, we used to run and we thought it was the coolest thing when we got the Sony Walkman, which was a CD, and we thought it was cool because we could skip songs. We wouldn't have to fast forward and wait you know, 30 seconds to get to the next song and then try to figure it out. And we would run with that thing. We just thought that was great. Now our kids have something the size of a thumb and, and they're screaming, Dad, this is just too big. And, and that thing holds like 50 times the songs that we could have in a CD. And, and, and you talk to people like myself, they got back problems because we were carrying this big CD player next to us. Uh, the, the reality is, is uh, we always uh, complain about where we're at. You know, it's an attitude. Nothing, with all the progress we've had in the world, it seems like nothing's good enough. That as soon as something great happens, it lasts for a while and then it's not good enough anymore. There's a book called Progress Paradox. I'd encourage you to read it. It's a book about greed. It's about the condition we're in. And it really talks about the better off we become, the more miserable we are. It really seems like when, when I look at our grandparents and what they didn't have, they had something else that was lost when we found all of these new inventions. You know, they, uh, they had a fan in the window and we have AC and we couldn't even imagine what it was like. And yet there was more community. They ate around the table. They played games to entertain themselves. They seemed to be happier. And we seem to have this choice anxiety. We have so many options that we, it's difficult to choose at time. In fact, missionaries that come back from the mission field will tell you that it is very difficult for them to go into grocery stores because there's so many choices. They're almost paralyzed by, by all the choices that they're given. You know, in Cuba, they have nothing really. In fact, grocery store-wise, they don't have grocery stores. They, they have to go find people who, who are either growing it or have it in their field, and they buy it from them. And, and when we were in Cuba, we were sitting with the pastors, and we just laughed with them. Uh, the, the power would go out often, almost every single day the power would go out, and we'd sit in the dark, and we would just laugh, even though they had nothing. You know, I think we're trying to replace relationship with people with stuff to make us happy. People are what make us happy. If you want to be happy in your, happy in your life, learn to relate to people because buying stuff isn't going to make you happy. Sure, it may give you a few moments of joy until you're not using it anymore and then you'll be looking for something else to get you happy. You know, it was even at a point in Cuba, I thought this was funny, the pastor's car wouldn't start. Now it's 90 degrees out, 70 degrees of humidity, percent of humidity, and we had to push the guy's car to get it started. And they laughed and it was a part of community and they were happy. There's just a sense of unity there because they needed each other. 
we don't have that sense because we're not grateful for the people God has put in our life. I want to encourage you, uh, even in this end time attitude environment we live in, be grateful for what God has given you. The second un that I want to talk about in these end time attitudes is the un of being unholy. Now, most people would look at holy and they'd say, well, that's because you got to behave better. And there's so many people that aren't behaving better. We really need to define holiness for what it is. And holiness means to set apart. And I really believe in the end times, the attitudes a lot of people have is we haven't allowed the Lord to set our hearts apart from the world. Our heart passions are more worldly than they are heavenly. We're more passionate about the things of this world than we are about the things in eternity and the things of the heavenly realm that reside in this world. That God is calling us to have desires that are set apart, where we are, we're not focused on getting rich in this world, we're focused on being rich in eternity. That we're not focused on what we can attain in this world and the fame and position we can attain in this world, but we're more focused on my future in the eternal realm. What am I doing in the kingdom of God? In the end time, believers will become more focused on what is going to pass away than what is going to last forever. The third on that I want to talk about is on loving. And, and before you can know, um, what unloving is really all about, you have to know what real love is. It's on, an, an unselfish love. It is looking out for someone else. This is the best way I think to describe it. It's intentionally choosing to do something for someone else that cares for them regardless of the cost or consequences to yourself. You know, the Bible says, that one of the signs of the last days is that we would become a people that are unloving. Man, look around. Even unbelievers are unloving of those they don't agree with or they're angry with. We don't respect and love people as God's called us to love them. Um, we're not interested in others. We really only care about ourselves. We even have little regard for our family members, we're more concerned about what people can do for me and how everything is benefits me. Uh, there's just this sense that we, we really don't see people as the objective. We see people as the means or resource to get to what we want. We really do need a fresh wind like never before. We need a wind that will blow through the churches of America and blow out this unloving attitude to the very people that God has called us to minister to and to love. I want to encourage you to not look at everyone else around you, but to consider, have you fallen into this trap of being unloving to people that you don't understand, that you don't agree with, that, that you're angry with? The first, uh, the fourth un that I want to talk about is the, the un of unforgiving. And this is an extremely important, uh, uh, one of the end time attitudes we need to deal with because this affects every one of us who's listening to this right now. 
Um, you know, we do communion in church, and I encourage you to do communion. If you're watching in your home, just take time. You can do communion. You don't need a pastor there to do it. You just, you just go through communion, and you remember as you take the bread and the cup, and you just remember God uh, and what He's going to do and that He's coming back for us. So I encourage you to do that if you haven't been. But we've all been hurt. You know, people uh, can hurt us, but really it's a choice. It's a choice of whether or not um, you want to be offended. You get to choose. And, and I know a lot of people say, well, I don't get to choose. I'm a victim. That is not your identity. Your identity is that of a victor. God has already taken the curse and made you a victor. And so if you're sitting there saying, well, they did this to me and it's their fault that I'm in this place, friend, they might have done something that was offensive, but you have to receive it in order to be offended. Sure, there are offensive people in the world, but you get to choose, just like you get to choose life or death, you get to choose victim or victor. It's your choice. And how we choose and how we make that decision is by deciding to forgive those that do not deserve to be forgiven, to forgive those that haven't even asked for forgiveness. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I love this part. He says, I've come to have life and to give life, that you might have life, and not just life, but have it to the full, that there is a medicine that God wants to give each and every one of us, and that medicine is life. And life is a fresh wind that blows us out of the doldrums and the curses and the death of this world. And I really do believe that many Christians, along with unbelievers, have fallen into the doldrums of life and they're just existing. They know all the truth, but they need the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to blow them out of the doldrums so they can experience the good medicine of life. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. There's something about a cheerful heart that just heals so many uns in our life. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. For some people, <laughs> if the joy of the Lord is our strength, we could get mugged by a butterfly. <laughs> you, you just have no joy. You've entertained so much pain, you'll not even crack a smile because you're so angry at the world. You're angry by what's going on. Friend, you can be a believer in Christ and fall into the trap of being angry. We all have to understand that we, we need spiritual health. And sometimes, and I believe right now, the Holy Spirit is wanting to be like that fresh wind in your heart and to just blow out some pretty bad attitudes that kind of snuck in on you. And, and you're not a bad person, right? You're, you're a believer. You believe the scriptures. You've been, even been reading the word. You've even been praying, but somehow... These end-time attitudes have kind of stuck to you. And, and we all need a fresh wind to kind of come in and blow in. So I want to talk about the four solutions to these uns in our life. The first one is you make the choice every day. You have to make the choice every day. The most important point 
a part of that statement was every day. We have to make the choice every day. Your attitude is not going to take care of itself. Most people think it's really not my fault. Life just happened. Life is, you know, 10% of what happens to you, it just happens. 90% is how you respond to it. I want to just stop there for a moment. More people would hear that and they would say, no, 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 no. I, I have a, I, you know, it's not my fault. It's not that I have had bad habits. 90% of is what happened to me. So many bad things happen. I don't know why all these things happen to me. 10% is, is my response. Friend, stuff happens to everyone. I, I used to tell my girls this. Why is it that accidents happen more to some people than others? And there are reasons, there are habits that we have, there are attitudes that we have that actually enable certain accidents to happen more to us than other people. And the same thing is true in life, that the attitudes, we either have an attitude of life or an attitude of death. And we have to choose every single day to have a good attitude. There's nothing inside of me that wants to honor this principle. It's almost like I deserve to be in a bad mood for a while. You know, when something bad happens to me and because I've had a bad day, you know, just give me room. I'm going to be crabby and I'm going to just have a bad day. And, you know, I, I think I deserve to be upset and I'm just going to hate the world and I'm not going to like anything. There's always a choice. You're going to have some bad days. You know, Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have to make the choice to do this. We have to decide. At the beginning of our day, we need to make the decision that I'm going to have a good day. There was an article in the Reader's Digest of a senior a lady who is being admitted to the nursing home. And for most seniors, this is one of the greatest fears they have. I mean, and for me, you know, the idea of being there, knowing that life is right there in the balance and family was concerned about how their mother was going to handle the transition, this transition in her life. So they asked her if she liked her room and just trying to really be sensitive. And this was the woman's response. And I think it's an incredible response. Happiness is something you decide ahead of time. Whether I like my room or not is not dependent on how the furniture is arranged. It is dependent how I have arranged it in my mind. You cannot always control what happens to you, but you can control the response to what happens to you. You can control the attitude of your heart, but you got to pray first and you need to ask God. You have to talk to God. And I think this is the prayer you really need to pray is, and, and, and ask the Lord. It's in Psalms 19.14. It says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's a funny prayer that went like this. Dear Lord, so far I'm doing all right. I have not gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I've not whined or cursed or eaten chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes and I think I'll need some help, uh, some really big help after that. (laughs) 
you know, I think when we're laying in bed, it's another new day. And that is really where we have to ask the Lord, Lord, give me a great attitude in this day. Let my mouth and my heart be in alignment with you. The second medicine or antidote to the uns we dealt with is develop a high appreciation for life. You know, there's a there's a philosophy of life that each of us have to look at it is, is that your glass is half full or is it half empty? Do you believe God's going to work things out? Just believing it is going to work out is an attitude that God wants us to have because he gave us the scripture that says he's working on our behalf. If he's, if he is for us, who can be against us? Paul always had a great attitude, and he went through a lot of stuff. If you looked at 2 Corinthians, he says, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. What an amazing attitude that Paul had. He possessed the joy of the Lord. People who have a great attitude in the midst of difficult and trying times are inspirational to people around them. You know, there's a secret I think we all need to have. Be grateful in every situation. Look for the positive about the current situation that you're in. Find the benefit of the situation you're in. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do you look for everything? How do you look at everything? Are you always critical or are you always rejoicing? Are you angry or do you laugh? How do you respond to those things in life? Listen, we only live this life once. How about live it with an attitude that rejoices that we woke up this morning? that we've been given another day, that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Here's number three. Find something positive in everything. There are times when you're faced with a lot of stuff that you don't understand. It's easy to find the problems in, in, in the circumstances we're faced with. It's easy to find all the things. Around. Somebody says, I have great discernment. I said, oh, really? Why? Because I can see all of the things that are the problems in those areas and all of the, I really can see all of the challenges and, and all the stuff that are going to go wrong. And I thought to myself, is that a gift or is that a curse? You know, because if you're the person that only sees all of the problems and the negatives, first of all, I don't know many people that are going to want to hang around you. And secondly, that's a pretty miserable life. Like you never get to celebrate victories because you're always looking at the failures. There was a lady um, that was part of Bethel's Rock many years ago, and, and when she, we came to Bethel's Rock, she was already pretty uh, up there in the years. And, and uh, when we, she had to uh, go to the nursing home, we talked to her, and she looked at me, and she said, you know, I rejoice because even in the nursing home, God has given me a missionary to share the joy of the Lord. And I thought, wow, even in her, in her late 90s, in a nursing home. She saw this is a new season. She was excited about it. She was ready to tackle it and to do her best to just bring a blessing wherever she was and be a blessing for wherever she was at. In Philippians 4.8, I think this is a great verse for that. It says, finally, brothers, it means when, every, when you've done all of this other stuff, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about it. Once you've been tried, tried everything else and you've gone through everything else, finally, this is what we need to do in everything. Sure, that's a problem. But what's true? What's praiseworthy? What's honorable? Uh, you can be a person that just wants to focus on the bad or you can start to find the good. I think the greater gift is the person who can find the good in every situation when, when everyone else is able to find the bad. There's something bad in every person and there's something good in every person. People either irritate you or people will entertain you. The question is, will you bless them? Will you yell at them or will you lift them up? Every person is a problem to be avoided or a person to be loved. It really is your choice. Here's the fourth thing. Turn everything, and I mean everything, over to God. Bad days are on their way. They're going to happen. This, the mistake we make is to think that we got to try to make the bad day into a good day. See, we don't have to change our bad day. We need to change our attitude toward the day. You must do this if you want to have any kind of success in life. Successful people know bad days are going to come, but they also know how to have a positive attitude in that day. And for believers, we should be the best at this because we can give our bad days to God and let Him deal with those days while we rejoice in what He's going to do in those days. Um, there was a kid who was playing baseball uh, on a team, and his team uh, was down 10-0. And about the time he was sitting on the bench while his team was out in the field, and about that time, uh, a guy came up to him from behind and asked him, and he said, young man, it looks like you're losing today. And the, the little young baseball player looked up at him and said, oh, I know, but we haven't gotten up to bat yet. You know, the attitude is, yeah, we're down 10-0, but wait until we get up to bat. It's an attitude of, uh, we still got the opportunities to succeed, that we still have to get up and bat yet. And if you're more than a conqueror, if you're more than an overcomer, and that is your attitude, and it should be your attitude as a believer, then you don't need to get down into the doldrums because of the struggles you're going through, you can rejoice because you know the victory is still yet to come. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 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 present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. We will, we will literally experience the power of God when we start with thanksgiving. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast means to throw it, to throw it away, to throw it off. Whatever the thing is that you're angry about or upset about, throw it. In Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, your attitude should be the same 
as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God to the Father. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. So here's the second principle that we are really called to live by, and it's what we've been describing and defining really through this whole message, is we need a Christ-like attitude. Last week, we talked about falling in love with, with God, falling in love with Jesus. This principle, if for a fresh wind, is to look at, God, will you judge my heart so that I can have a Christ-like attitude? The Bible says it is possible that we can be transformed into his likeness, and that can happen today. We can become like Jesus. So, Father, right now I pray for everyone who's listened to this message today. Lord God, they're, they're getting more angry. Their attitude is, it's just not who they are. In fact, they've been people who've been loving, caring people, and, and they've noticed how this worldly attitude has started to slip in as they've been pursuing the passions of the world, that the effects of those passions, the anger, the depression, the greed, the envy, the gossiping, the slant, that even things being said about people, the unloving attitudes have started to increase in their life. And Lord, we need a fresh wind to come in and blow across people's hearts so that they can be free from these end-time attitudes that are trying to overtake us. Lord, I pray, let every ear hear this right now, that they might be free from what Satan is trying to very subtly do in their life. Lord, I pray that their ears would hear and their eyes would see these attitudes and that they would call on you to, to begin working a Christ-like attitude in them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.